Welcome everyone to Roll or Die, episode number 37. Uh, today we have the one of the OGs of the Melbourne Jiu-Jitsu scene, Dave Kritzik. Uh, he is just a, a bit of a back background story uh, in terms of my history with Dave. I have known Dave for probably 25 years, more than 25 years. So I've known him wow. before Jiu-Jitsu. A uh, bit of background, he and my ex-husband worked together. So I knew Dave when he was, uh, what, a teenager? I think around 20. They worked Whoa. together. Yeah, he was doing this crazy martial art called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It was like, what the hell is this thing? Um, worked uh, alongside my ex-husband. And, the, yeah, long story short, my ex-husband and I are no longer together. Um, but then I started on my Jiu-Jitsu journey I contacted Dave and said, where do I get a white belt from? And he said, I can give you a white belt. So Dave Kritzik actually presented me with my white belt. And yeah. here I am wow. now, I'm the black belt. So welcome, Dave. Pleasure to have you on. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And yeah, I was uh, 19, I think. Then. Yeah. And uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, yeah get tell us so you've been doing jiu-jitsu for how long now like tell us your uh your story how, um, how you found it how you came about <laughs> um i i my family w was always into to any form of fighting um uh, it's just sort of how we we grew up um my father was a uh a, a detective uh door kicker and all that sort of thing. Uh, you know, back in the days when the fun police didn't have all the rules about, you know, treating people nicely and stuff. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he, he, at the time uh, I was young, 13, 14, and a couple of the guys that uh, introduced me to jujitsu um when John Will was a purple belt, um, they were members of the special operations group and they would regularly, like, you know, the, the teams would regularly come over to my house and got this grainy VHS copy of a copy of a bootleg of, you know, and it's like uh, one of them, um, Mr. Martin, he, uh, he gave me this tape and said, if you're into martial arts, this is the future. And he did not know how right he was. He, he was, it was pretty legit. And um, that, so that's pre-UFC, Dave? Yeah, so this was, this was just before the UFC. And that had Gracie's in Action 1 and 2, or 1 on it, and some other stuff. And then just after the first UFC, um, which was in 1993, I actually had my first lesson i was 15 so then i i could i don't count my time from then because i couldn't train regularly because mm. i had no means to actually get to to where i was so i'm a 15 year old kid so <laughs> wow um once I, I i was sort of at the tail end of year 12 17 years old and i was able to to start my training in earnest in 1995 and I've been going ever since. Um, I earned my black belt in 2004 and yeah, still, still going. 
still going and, uh, you know, still in one piece, sort of. Amazing. <laughs> What's your, you are, uh, sorry, Anton, as I was saying, you are really are an OG. Like you were teaching my ex-husband back in your garage, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, yeah? So you've really come from, you are the roots of jiu-jitsu in Melbourne, really. Uh, I think that's a that's a very generous assessment. Um, I, I I can't I can't say that uh, I, I um, should be credited with that. Um, definitely, you know, there was there was there was a lot of a lot of guys around my era and even before my era that uh, influenced me very heavily. And um, not the not the least of which was was John Will. He was my my first instructor. He gave me my black belt. Um, but I've had such such a, a great opportunity to be able to train with so many great people. Um, so yeah, I, I, I uh, the garage days uh, for me were just after it was just after I got my black belt, and the uh, dominance was then moved into the hands that the guys brought me out. I I, I want to do this, and they're like, dude, you got to do what you got to do, and it's all good and. Well, friends to this day, of course, and and I I started that um, yeah in my garage. I had uh, wow. the the dodgy twenty mil mats. It's all I could afford <laughs> <laughs> on concrete. So it's it was pretty rough, but it was um it was it was good. It was good. You know, it, it, a lot of a lot of tough guys came out of there. Yeah. You know? mm. <laughs> then nice. I was, I moved to Bayswater out of spite. I, I got upset one day. Um, <laughs> it was really sort of, it was not a, an example of how, how to do a business plan. That, that didn't exist. Um, I was teaching out of a few different places at the time. And I kept getting messed around with nights and stuff that I could have the mat. And I'm like, well, that's it. I'm going to get my own place. And I found a, factory in the back blocks of Bayswater and you know that that started that one and then I moved to Templestowe about six years ago and been there since then so wow. yeah, you got to, Kim you got to see the actually the, the, the nice one the, the yes. nice <laughs> as I said starting off on our journey as I said I mean we've known each other over 20 years 25 years and uh then at the beginning of this year, Anton, I went to Dave's school in Templestowe and, and finally got to roll with him. As I said, wow. now both of us as black belts for, uh, he had a fundraiser for the uh, bushfire appeal at the start of the year. So that was like yeah. a come full circle sort of thing. It was quite nice. Yeah. That's amazing. Very nice academy there. Uh, Gracie Templestowe. That's right. So check it out, guys, when, when you get amazing. there. Amazing. Well, well, it's fair to say, obviously, um, Kim, Dave has had a large influence on your entry into jiu-jitsu. Like that's, that's, but I guess what I, what, what's coming up for me right now is Dave, like such a long journey in jiu-jitsu. How would you describe your relationship with, with jiu-jitsu? I imagine at this length, it's like a marriage. And I imagine you have your good times with it. You have your bad times with it. You have your times where you just, you know, hate it and don't want to talk to it. <laughs> and then other times where it's, you know, but I, I don't know what had a journey that long. How do you stay connected, fresh, excited about it? Well, how, tell me about that. Um, that's such an awesome question. Uh, <laughs> I, I would have to say that the hardest times for me 
were earlier on. Um, there's there's been some some bumps along the road, of course, and no no journey of significant length is without those trials. That's just it is what it is, and I think this is what sorts out the the hobbyists from the lifers. Mm. Once, if, if it's a, it's a just simply a hobby, it's just something I do to kill time. Then it's it's actually a little easier to let it go. But when it becomes your lifestyle, it's this is what I signed up for. It's not negotiable. This mm. is what we're doing. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, there were some times, particularly at Purple Belt, uh, for me, where I was nursing a few injuries. Like I had, you know, the, the, it's the story, not. You know, lower back hurts. And I woke up one morning, I couldn't turn my head left. My shoulder didn't lift above my, my arm didn't lift above my shoulder. And my legs were tingling um, from my back. And I was just like, why am I doing this? (laughs) And then I was 23. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) An old man at 23. We're in our 40s. What? (laughs) But I, I had to, you know, reassess a, a lot of what I was doing and, and I'm very grateful that I did because, you know, obviously I, I, I persevered and then there's, then there's, you know, the, the, the relationships that you have, you, the relationship you have with jujitsu and the relationships you have outside it, those relationships outside it are actually affected by what you're doing. So... Mm. There was some ex-girlfriends and stuff that got, hey, you know, when, when you put an ultimatum down, I, I do not negotiate with terrorists. You know, it's yeah. not jiu-jitsu or me. It's like, well, too bad. Right? Yeah. yeah, I am jiu-jitsu. Take away jiu-jitsu. What is le- what's left, you know? Jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu doesn't if issue me ultimatums and, um, yeah. So you know, this is... On that, Dave, tell us about, like, your, um, your partner, your wife, Sava, she trains as well. She's a blue belt. So how is that? Like we've had uh, a couple on, we've had Nikki and Anthony Lange. They've talked about, you know, training as a couple. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like training with your wife, how does that go? Is that an easy journey? You're her husband. You're, you're also her coach. Like how does that <clears throat> work? Uh, it's not easy. <laughs> um Nikki, Nikki and Anthony are great. They're, they're super cool people, and I, I think they've they've cracked the code for the for for that. Um, but the funny thing is that people assume that it was my idea that Saba start training, and that is not the case. Uh, I'm here to set it straight right now. <laughs> that was not the case at all. As a matter of fact, I went out of my way to just not mention it it's i'm you know with my girlfriend and my fiance and my wife it's like that's that's that time you know that's my time away from jujitsu my both my kids train yeah but you know with that i don't really push anything too hard and and never really have um with saba saba's like oh can i can i give it a go well, of course you can. You can do whatever you like. Shows up and oh, I can get into this. And then she starts helping out with the kids' classes. 
And then I ended up going to the US to do the instructor certification at Grace University. And so I was, before that, I was like, no, not interested in that. She had just earned her blue belt before I did that. Went over. I came back and she goes, so, how was it? Do you reckon I can do it? <laughs> I'm like, you can do whatever you want. Go, go for it. And uh, six months later, we were there. <laughs> wow. So, so she ended up going through that process as well. And, and as, as far as the actual training is concerned, it, there is a, there's an understanding as a husband and wife or, or, or partnership. You know, it, it, it's like when you're training with them, it's, it's and jujitsu, it, no matter how nice you do it, you're still squishing people and you, you, you're doing what you're doing. And it's like, well, how could you do that to me? There's that, that yeah. part, right? But then it's like, well, I'm taking my time to, you know, to, to teach and all that sort of stuff. And we had to figure that out because it's one of those things. It's like, and Saba said this, you know, a few months back. She's like, you tell me to do something and my instant reaction is, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, that's not really what we're going for here. We're <laughs> So there's, there's the, the relationship outside of jujitsu and then there's the jujitsu relationship and then there's coaching and all the rest of it. So, uh, fellas out there, if you are teaching your significant other couple of little things that I, I, I feel are pretty important. Um, number one, they don't represent you. They are there for them and, Mm. We, we often, I think that the, the relationship with patience and the closeness of the person to you is inverse. Meaning that if someone you don't know does something to upset you, you're probably more likely to let it go. Um, whatever, stop in here, I'll keep driving. But the person that's closest to you, they do something you don't like and you're yeah. on it right? It's, it's your patience is significantly less, but it really should be the other way around. It's like, you know, if, if you're going to, if you, if you're someone I don't know, I have no vested interest in, in looking after, if you're going to shoot your mouth up and act like an idiot. You, you're going to get the detriment of the doubt, but someone that is close to us, someone that we care, care for, we should be a little bit more forgiving, mm. of course, and, and, and far more understanding. But we're not. That's probably what it is. So it's hard to emotionally detach in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, I think. And and sometimes when you do, when you do successfully do that, then <clears throat> there's a possibility that you think they're thinking, and we're making assumptions, which is the next thing. Don't assume anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> we think that they think that we don't care. It's like no, of course we do. Mm. so it's it's you just got to strike the balance and, and look there were many discussions had and many many talks and you know there, there was there was all sorts of emotions flying mm. around it i i i'm i don't do emotion very well um <laughs> what a great chance though to explore that like not many marriages get the chance where a partner can say to the other partner oh my default setting is don't tell me what to do like most people live like, don't tell me what to do. But when you create an environment like this, which 
BJJ gives us the opportunity to do, you can go, oh, hang on. I'm doing this even though I'm in a teacher-student relationship. And once they can see that, once a partner can see that for the other partner, then that creates a knock-on effect to outside the relationship as well. So I think it's a wonderful opportunity at the end of the day for partners to work together in these sorts of arrangements if they can, as you say, work it out because they can grow way more. You've got to be able to work it out. And and I can say this because Saba's shopping right now, but I think... (laughs) But the biggest issue was actually me. Yeah, I, I had I had the harder time with it. Um, it it's I'll never admit that if she was in the house. <laughs> you can't play this back to her now either. That's <laughs> yeah, you can't. You know, podcast, honey. Um, we talked a lot about how bad you are. <laughs> in all seriousness, it was definitely me. I I had the I had the hardest hardest time with it. Uh, to balance that out, but you know, and every so often it's like, hey, come on, let's let's pull it back in, and you know that's what we do. Mm. Yeah. yeah, amazing. And um, amazing. And as well, uh, David, about traveling. Tell us about some of your travels. Like you've been to Brazil how many times? A couple of times. Yeah, of and you trained with some pretty big names over there. Uh, yeah, how was that? Tell us about some of your trips. Um, so I went to Brazil with, uh, Pedro Sauer a couple of times. So he runs a, a camp. Um, it's like 10 days and you, you stay at, he's got his, uh, family's, uh, ranch, basically, uh, a large property up in, uh, Petropolis. It's a, it's a beautiful place. It's outside of, of, it's in the state of Rio but it's about an hour and a half away from Rio. So you're going right up into the, to the mountains near uh, Itaipava and, and all those, those uh, places. And it's, you're, you're traveling through the jungle. There's monkeys and all sorts of cool stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it's excellent. And he's got all these, the, the rooms. So there's the main house and there's little chalets everywhere. And there's a big training room where, um, you know, we, we train, so there's a morning session, there's an afternoon session, there's an evening session, so it's three times a day. And that's uh, intermingled with, so we train at Gracie Maita or Gracie Centro, which um, Vini Ayeta ran, uh, still runs. Um, that's where the, the Ibero brothers uh, started out and all that stuff. And yeah, we got got to visit with some really cool people and learn some great stuff and and meet some very interesting characters. Um, the funny thing is, like when you there, particularly with Pedro, it's the childhood friends that he has are some of the most interesting characters. Mm. Um, there's there's one guy that stands out in particular. His nickname is Baru. Baru is like a he's named after the sandwich. Right, he's this big, he's an old dude, and you know he's got the the nose. and And Pedro says he's like Marv from Sin City. Cool, right? I remember that character. <laughs> and he doesn't just look like him; he acts like him. Right. Wow. So he was actually one of the guys that there was. A, there was a big luta livre uh, jujitsu rivalry there for a while. Right. Every everybody was sort of into the history of it. Would be very aware of it. And um, there was, it sort of came and went in, in sort of stages. And one of those stages was actually 
helped along considerably by this particular guy. Um, he got into a fight with, with the dude and, and wrecked him that badly that the guy actually covered it up and said, I was hit by a car. <laughs> like he was in hospital. And um, yeah, that was, it's rough. Uh, Baldo, he's, he's an old guy now. He's got the zipper scar from open heart surgery. You know, and he's teaching, and he's teaching us in Portuguese like we actually understand anything that he's saying, right? So, it's, yeah. he's like, and you're like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he, he's, his choke, he had this, he has this log, right, with a belt wrapped around it, and he chokes the, this log, this lump of wood with this belt wrapped around it. He's got a belt there, and he just chokes it. Oh, wow. And cool he's, he's, he's in his 60s. He comes up to me, he goes, Right? It's like, choke me, you know? I choke him, and I'm, he's an old dude. So I'm, Are you nice? I'm going to choke the guy. I'm six foot six and 100 kilos. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be nice. And he's like, No. Takes my hands out. Ah. He chokes me, and I feel like my head is going to explode. <laughs> and the I tap he lets me go he's like Bye! so he's like go and I choke him I'm like okay this time the whole time you're gonna get it and I'm choking he's turning purple I <laughs> and then he finally taps he's Bleh! and then he just walks up <laughs> so I was like uh, you, you meet some really interesting cats you know <laughs> I just got this visual of Van Damme kicking the kicking the tree in whatever that movie was back in the day. He's like he's like that, but with this on a, on a Apparently, Bauru used to punch trees. Like that's wow. he's nuts. Yeah. And like even how he drives, like now, like if you're in the way, he'll run you over. He doesn't even care. <laughs> but I gotta tell you, he makes the best barbecue. He's they got the shuashko out, and he's like he he just decides. Pedrinho, like little Pedro, right? He, he calls Pedro Sao a little Pedro. Pedrinho. Right? <laughs> come on, right? <laughs> so they, they break it, like just on a whim. Like I'm cooking barbecue and you're all going to love it. And that's how it was. Or else you'll be looking like you've been hit by a car. <laughs> <laughs> and may very well end up that way, right? <laughs> I've got to tell you, it's like he's cutting up the meat and everything and he's like sort of help yourself kind of stuff, but he's still chopping. So if your hand's in the way, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> you he's a real OG, man. He's a real OG. Oh, hard dude. A hard dude. He apparently used to work in a junkyard and he would start trying to unscrew um, wheel nuts with his hands before he got the tool. If he could do it with his hand, he'd do it with his hand because it was quicker. <laughs> Amazing. There's a lot of really cool guys like that that don't really they they never got famous, but they were part of that scene. And and all of these guys had the same training partners. So you know, Hicks on Gracie was was there, and they were all training together at the same time. Pedro didn't even know who the Gracie family was. Hickson was Hickson from the street. He was like from down the road, some dude I hang out with. And then he watched him get into a fight one day. And that's how he found out how all this stuff worked. And then he was at the academy the next day kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a fascinating discussion about 
who gets famous, why they get famous, but how, like, I see them as like the tip of the iceberg and the machinery, the, the, the human beings in the background are often way more significant than the people who are at the figurehead, you know, so, or at least as significant. Well, you gotta, you gotta think for, for every person that, that makes a name for themselves, they had to be training with somebody. Yeah. And more often than not, it was a whole room of guys. Yeah. Yeah, our coach yeah, he often says that. He says it's an individual sport, but it's a team effort. It's a group effort. He always yeah. talks about that. Absolutely. Yeah, you've got to look after your training partners and, and what have you. And I would love to actually bring this back. I just, just a quick stalk of you before we came on. You're obviously incredibly passionate about what's going on in Australia right now. Not oh, yeah. so happy about it. Um, <laughs> and we, we don't have a lot of time left. So one of the things I would love to do is like, Hey. Hello. I, I did you were right. <laughs> He's doing a great job. But one of the things I'd really love to explore is like, like obviously you're pissed off, and I get that. Um, when none of us are happy, you you own a gym as well, which make, which compounds it. You have small children, which compounds it. There's all of these factors. But what do you see? And, and yeah, I guess I'd obviously we're all about being putting out into the community positivity wherever possible. Sometimes it's not appropriate. But what do you see as the future? What do you see as the solution? What do you see as positive out of this situation? Is there anything positive? Or, you know, just talk a bit about that. I, I think I'm not alone when I say, no, no I'm not happy about what's going on. Um, mm. And it's, it's not because I think that the virus is some bizarre conspiracy theory or anything like that. Not at all. Mm. I think it's very real. And I think that at the beginning, not a lot of people really understood what was going on. So they behaved a certain way. And mm. I think that the media, along with a lot of stuff that was not properly examined, did not have the time to actually be researched properly, et cetera, et cetera, created mm. something that was far larger than its reality. Mm. And there's a lot, of, a lot of uncertainty. A lot of uncertainty brings a lot of fear and so on and so forth. If you want to make really smart people do something really stupid, make them scared. It's yeah. not difficult. And, and that sort of seems to be what the case is. And it's gotten so far, the, the reason I was a little um, critical and definitely upset about the situation is the fact that in, despite the, the science being cited, that's not what's going on. And you know, we, we could spitball for days as, as to what's happening behind the scenes and all that sort of stuff. And quite frankly, we could go forever. Yeah. But as far as positives are concerned, let, let's, you know, for me, I don't consider myself positive. I think positive is one of those things that it's like, the ship is sinking, but it's gonna be okay. Yeah. No, it yeah. isn't, ship yeah. is sinking get on board, right? <laughs> you know? let's, let's be real. So let's I think look the, at the fact. positive yeah. is, yeah. well, okay, you can put your rose-colored glasses on and deny what's actually happening in front of you. That's not intelligent. Yeah. I'm optimistic. Yeah. I know it's going to end. And of course, we'd all prefer it to end sooner rather than later. And the, the upshot of that is, look, it is, it is going to end. We are going to get back to it. I don't think 
that, uh, you know, Munchausen by proxy is going to keep the powers that be famous. I don't think the Stockholm Syndrome is going to last forever either. Yeah. Having said that, we, we've got incontrovertible evidence stating that what we do can be done very safely. Yeah. Is being done very safely in every other corner of this country, including, you know, overseas, New Zealand, uh, parts of the US, it's, you know, and Europe. You know, we, mm. I had a, had a message from a guy in Germany, one of the worst mm. countries. And they're like, you know, we've been going since June. We haven't had a single thing. So mm. there's, there's what's in front of us that is, you know, makes me very optimistic. We're going to get back to it. Yeah. Um, the, the upside of this is I think where the people that are really about their jiu-jitsu, their lifers, whether they're mm. elite level competitors or not, if this is their lifestyle, these are the people that are going to come together. I think there's, there's a lot of, you know, you get the little rivalries here and there and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And once again, yeah, you know, the politics. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I personally, I think it's all garbage, uh, but mm. <laughs> you know, this right. is a really great opportunity for all of us as part of the greater community mm. of jujitsu practitioners, martial artists, not even jujitsu practitioners, yeah. but we're all, yeah. we've all got to you know, come together. We've got to start working together. Yeah. And th there's a great opportunity for that. And I'm mm. looking forward to that. And that's what I'm optimistic about. Wow. That's and, beautiful. And those, I agree. That's amazing. And for those that really aren't, you know, it, it, it's going to be easy for them to stop wasting everyone's time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But you think a lot of people will drop out because Anton and I have talked about this on other podcasts of like, um, you know, it's a long time now that people have been off the mats. And I mean, even without a pandemic, sometimes it is hard for people to come to training regularly and, and to be consistent. So, yeah, it will be uh, interesting to see how many people are perhaps uh, drop off the radar as a result of this. I think the biggest precipitating factor there is whether or not those people are actually there for the jujitsu or whether they're there to create their own little reality TV show inside an academy. Mm. Um, I think there's, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to use something said over social media three months ago to not show up or yeah. you know, to, to have cancelled a friendship with that person because they don't believe as I do. And I think yeah. the best thing about jiu-jitsu is that people from all backgrounds – people from all thoughts on, you know, uh, the topics of the day, belief systems, they can all be there for jujitsu and they've got each other's back. They're part of that team. Mm. That's, that's the most important thing. Mm. And we're just going to find out the people that are really there for that and the people that aren't. And that's okay. Yeah. It's not good. It's, you know, no one's going to take it personally, but yeah. You know, but I it's also a good chance to have and a lot less yeah. drama. And just like you and your wife went into that journey of natural reactions, like some people may realize they were there for a reason that wasn't authentic, let's say, and they get the opportunity to actually transform that into it. They can recreate it. Like I might've been going, I have wasn't, I like, I, I need jujitsu in my life. It kind of, it's a centering thing for me and the community is amazing and everything else. But there would have been a time in my jujitsu journey where I would have been there because I'd seen the UFC I wanted to be a badass and all that sort of stuff and had this happened now I'd been sitting at home going why do I love jiu-jitsu and it is a chance to reflect 
and to upgrade your view of what jujitsu means to you. I think that's right. That's a yeah. And the, like I said, the people that are that are are about that, they're about the lifestyle. They're a lifer. Yeah. They're going to be reinforced, and we're going to see some amazing stuff happen with reference to that crew. And then mm. you've got the people that may have realigned their perception and they become a lifer. And that's what we want. That's, that's what we need. We need all of that. But then, you know, it, everyone can sort of identify whom in their academy is sort of more there for, you know, whatever other reason other than actually having each other's back and, and helping each other become the best version of ourselves we can be. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay, well, it's going to be easy for them to, to you know, direct their attention elsewhere and more strength to their arm. If, if they're going to be happy somewhere else, I, I want them to be happy. That's okay. We, we're going to see that. That's, that's inevitable. But like I said, the, the optimist, um, optimistic view is, I think, not only the individual teams in each academy are going to be stronger for it. It's like pruning a tree almost. We're going to see the community as a whole put aside a lot of garbage, put aside a lot of silliness and mm. actually help perpetuate what we all enjoy doing and what we've all been deprived of and robbed of over this time. God damn it. That's a beautiful note to end on. Kim, yeah, can you please wrap this up? Because that's an amazing place to finish. Great way to end. I think it sort of also sums up, Anton, what you and I are trying to do here a little bit with the podcast and having, you know, different people on and, um, We've tried very hard, especially over the last few months, just to keep it as Melbournians. I think we've felt a little bit, uh, could be a little bit triggering for our Melbourne listeners to have uh, people on from interstate or overseas who are, you know, busy. Rolling every day. We don't want to hear about that, but it's really (laughs) great to have you on, Dave. And and now we can say that we've had uh, Medium Dave, we've had Mini Dave, and we've had Big Dave. So we've had all all (laughs) the whole set. Trifecta of Dave's. (laughs) Thank you very much for giving up your time. It's uh, great to see you. And, uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this chat. Thank you again for, for giving up the time. An absolute pleasure. And, and I, I don't see it as giving up the time. I see it as an investment in time just to, you know, it's great to reconnect with you, of course, Kim. Anton, great to meet you. You and too, hopefully Dad. we get to be able to do that in person. And, I love uh, that. Guys, yeah. What, what, what do we do when the pressure's on? We survive. That's what yeah. jiu-jitsu guys do. And that's yeah. exactly what's going to happen. Love that's it. Right. Um, look, yeah. Looking forward to it. Thank you Indeed. so much. And, uh, Thanks, and everybody. podcast out very soon, won't you? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> nice little plug there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Catch you later, everybody. <laughs> Bye.